Hi, and welcome to episode 13 of Save Your Sorry. I'm your host, Jose, with my co-host, Katrina Rochelle. If this is your first time joining us, we discuss celebrity scandals from their rise to their fall. Katrina, what shall we be discussing today? So today, this episode is over the Duggar family. Now, uh, we do focus, uh, especially towards the middle to end, more on Josh. But, uh, of course, to tell the story of Josh, you have to tell the story of his entire family, which is the Duggars. Yeah, I really don't know anything about the Duggars. I mean, I know they have a big family. Yeah, big-ass family. Yeah, and not to ruffle any feathers, but I'm kind of anti-bid family mm-hmm. you but, want the birth control yeah yeah I, I i kind of think it's selfish to have that many children yeah i think you've told me that before like we've talked about that but yeah we're, we're definitely going to get into the family as a whole some of their ideologies kind of some of their questionable decision making and then you know explosion 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 all right all righty let's all buckle right, so- in <laughs> Uh, before we get started, just to cite my source, because I usually always fuck this up. Jose does it perfectly, and I fuck it up. <laughs> but uh, So I got a lot of this stuff from uh, the Megyn Kelly interview that she did with the Duggars, the Arkansas Encyclopedia that uh, kind of just states the history of uh, people who come from or Arkansas. And, as you know, they're from there. Well, you don't know, but if you know, that's where they're from. Uh, hollywoodlife.com apnews.com usatoday.com and insider.com uh like i said today we're digging out the duggers now as you know uh whether it's your mother grandmother aunts father we all have these certain sayings like uh all that glitters isn't gold um looks can be deceiving check yourself before you wreck yourself you know that type of stuff yes love all those love them all i basically felt as I delve deeper and deeper into the family, these are all applicable sayings for this family. Like, like basically what you're seeing from the outside might look nice, but you just don't know what's going on. Behind those closed doors. Exactly. And definitely uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, people go out and parade themselves as something and then it takes them being humbled to truly, you know, get their ass, you know, uh, take note of themselves and uh, what they're putting out, the energy. So if you do not know about the Duggar family, the Duggar family consists of 21 members total as of today. You have the parents. Uh, they're married. It's Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar. Uh, and then they have 19 kids that end Ooh. up being... Yeah, 19 whole kids. (laughs) It ends up being split into 10 boys and nine girls. And they all start with Jay. Are they all Michelle's biological children? Uh, As far as I know, yes. All the children included in that 19 are their children. They have custody of like a a nephew, a great nephew of hers, but he's not listed. That is kind of incredible, like. That she could give birth to 19 kids. Yeah, they was just a pound, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah, shooting them out. Mm-hmm. Now, I did. I ain't going. I wrote down each one of these people's names. I wasn't sure if it'd be something you'd be interested in hearing, but I wrote them down. Do you want to hear it? You don't care? Yeah, let's hear All them. right. 
So uh, rolling down, you have Joshua, Jana, John, David, Jill, Jessa, Ginger, Joseph, Josiah, Joanna, Jedediah. I'm sorry about that, kid. I can't fucking pronounce your name. (laughs) Jeremiah, Jason, James, Justin, Jackson, Johanna, Jennifer, Jordan, Grace, and Josie. Are those all J names? Yeah, they, that's their tradition. I'm guessing it's Jim Bob. Well, James, a.k.a. Jim Bob, uh, starting with a J, so they just held that down. They turned it one M in there for Michelle? Nah, so she gets no M's. <sighs> they did have, uh, like, early in their their uh, marriage, they had a miscarriage, and they named that child Caleb, and then there was a stillborn very late it like more recently last few years i can't remember that name but that one i think started with a j okay but yeah that's that's all my team of their children um so just to continue tradition uh michelle ruark that was her maiden name was born september 13th 1966 that makes her a virgo um upsets me because As we know, one of my favorite people, uh, one of the greatest entertainers of the world is also a Virgo. I don't know how I feel about y'all sharing it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, And then you have Jim Bob Duger, who was born July 18th, 1965. He is a cancer. I have a couple of those in my life as well. They are just so fucking emotional. (laughs) Damn, my mama heard you. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right, 100%. Yeah. So the Duggar family are most known for, of course, their TLC show that is now called, what well, was last called 19 Kids and Counting. But when they first started the show, uh, they had 17 Kids and Counting, and it just gradually moved on until finally, you know, they stopped. <laughs> uh, but that aired in between 2008 and 2015 before it was canceled. Jim, Bob, and Michelle met each other in the early 80s, they met each other when Michelle, who was uh, basically converting religions, uh, it doesn't specify if she was changing her religion as a whole or just going to a different denomination. But uh, basically, when she converted, uh, she met Jim Bob in a follow-up meeting with a church member. Uh, In that meeting or subsequently after, you know, Sparks flew, lightning struck, whatever you want to call it, because then they shortly got married in July 21st, 1984. Um, At this time, Michelle is 17 and has just graduated high school and Jim Bob is 19. Mm, Okay. Young. Young. Yeah. It's like you want to say something, but it's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, because it's just, you know, we might have our opinions about them already. So we looking at that a little sideways yeah that's (laughs) why when we discussed doing the story i'm like i'm just too anti-bid family you have to do it yeah (laughs) you can't be impartial i don't think (laughs) i'm that impartial but i you know i just wrote down what i found but um so if you do not know about the duggar family uh one thing that they do not support is the use of contraceptives once you're a married couple uh they do expect couples to abstain from sex until they are married but afterwards They do not believe in things like that. They also have spoke out against Planned Parenthood. They've been doing things like that since they have been a part of the public eye uh, when they first got their national 
nor notoriety, I would say, in like around 2002, 2003. And when I looked at their history, I kind of saw one big reason why. And that apparently was early in their marriage when they first got married. Um, they actually did use birth control. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they basically described it described themselves as like a young married couple who knew that they wanted to have kids. And the funny thing is that they, they actually only to say that like uh, when they were young, they were only wanting like a few, like one, two, three kids. Uh, But they knew they wanted kids, but they wanted to wait a while. So Michelle was on birth control for about three years. And then she gets pregnant with Joshua. Uh, Joshua was born March 3rd, 1988. Now, after Joshua was born, she goes back on birth control. Uh, it is then that uh, she's on birth control again. I guess she's taking the pill and she finds out she's pregnant, but unfortunately suffers a miscarriage. Does she blame that on the the pill? Oh, you got exactly where I was kind of leading to. Michelle was on the pill while she was taking that. She suffers the miscarriage. And because of... I guess the circumstances that they were in where they felt like nothing else could have caused that miscarriage. She was taking the pill. And I guess a little bit of their belief started to creep in. Jim Bob says that he thinks it was the birth control that caused the miscarriage. He uh, is quoted as saying, and then something we did not know is that the pill can actually allow women to get pregnant, but then it can be aborted. That's what happened with Michelle. Now, um, I do not want to like step on people's beliefs and stuff like that, but obviously with the uh, with with science, we know that that's not true. Okay, that, that birth control doesn't cause abortions and things like that. But uh, Jim, Bob, and Michelle were in a situation where I guess it's like the 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 late eighties going into the nineties. They're not really educated on that their first time parents. And then afterwards they bring their concerns to a Christian doctor that they're familiar with And the Christian doctor, uh, just basically confirms like, uh, feeds into their, their fear and says, yeah, that's about right. So then Jim, Bob and Michelle make the decision to stop all birth control. And that's when they said they decided to let God determine the number of children that they would have. Why doesn't Jim Paul just wear a condom? Yeah, he said he ain't doing that. I, I mean, if, that, <laughs> if that's the I, reason. I know what you're saying, but, but they don't believe in contraceptives. They believe, they okay, I guess even before the birth control thing, I guess condoms just wasn't an option. Uh, I guess, especially if the man is supposed to wear it. Because as I go into it later, there's a lot of, a, a, a lot of their beliefs the man is the head of the household, makes a lot of the decisions, controls the flow. So even if I'm guessing he could have been wearing one, if if Jim Bob ain't wearing one, I, don't, I guess he ain't wearing one. I guess not. I mean, he you know that type the of flow thing. of his sperm and <laughs> that was wear a condom. Using my own words against me. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> they decide to let God determine the number of children that they would have. As the Duggar family continues to grow, the family as a whole had been in the spotlight locally uh, due to Jim Bob being a Republican member of the Arkansas House of Representatives. Um, he served from 1999 to 2002. Oh, I did not know that about him. Well, I guess I don't know anything, but <laughs> <laughs> if you, that's if just you, interesting. If you look at his picture, I tell you, 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 you say that's a man of a political haircut and it ain't changed. 
But uh, so in 2002, when he finishes his his uh, latest term in the House, he decides to go for a U.S. Senate seat. And unfortunately, I I, I was kind of mean in my night, my notes. I was like, he lost, of course, but um, <laughs> he lost that race and uh, didn't get that Senate seat. But on the other half, this is when I guess you could say the family gets catapulted into the more national spotlight. So while at the polls on election day, while they're voting, Jim, Bob and Michelle come with their whole family. Um, They're there with all their children from, I guess, youngest to oldest with Josh being in the back. Uh, Jim Bob's wearing like this ill-fitting dark blue suit with like an American flag tie. And Michelle and all the kids are in like either red dresses for the girls or red shirts for the uh, for the boys. It's kind of funny because, I mean, I know the picture is supposed to be like looking kind of cute and all that. But, you know, the, the little girls think, look like they're about to go to Sunday school and the, the, the boys look like they're about to suit up for a shift at Target. <laughs> but um, so I guess the photographer who's supposed to be taking pictures for this uh, election for this particular event at the polls takes a picture of Jim Bob and the family. Uh, then I guess the picture is then featured on the front page of the New York Times the very next day. So I guess this is like a, a small, I guess this is viral. It went viral, but not in the way that, you know, we know viral is now. Why did it go viral? Just because there's a shit ton of kids? Exactly. I think that's what it is. I think, honestly, 2002, I don't know what the hell is happening in the news, but, you know, they saw this little nice, well-to-do a thousand kids, you know, and they all looked uniformed and behaved and they're nice and they look clean. So, you know, yeah. they wanted to put them on magazines and give them interviews. And that's kind of what happened. So, you know, the family kind of goes viral in a sense, you know, gets them interviews in papers, magazine articles, and then, you know, little spots on TVs. Uh, later, it's then that the TLC slash, you know, discovery health producers they end up finding seeing the picture of the family and then they offer them a one episode docu series like a little document episode on their uh their life on the channel so uh it takes a while because you know they got to film all the material and all that but it comes out in 2004 and it's called 14 kids and pregnant because at this time you know she she's pregnant again after all this stuff has happened then um after that come a couple other specials and then 2008 is when they are given their for uh their tv show officially uh like i said it started at 17 kids and counting in 2008 because then they had jumped from you know their first special was 14 uh they had another special like 16 and moving in like they've been gradually moving up on the kids so 2008 that poor woman does not get a break she's constantly well, shooting I mean, them out. I mean, is she a poor woman? She don't want the <laughs> I guess she doesn't. <laughs> like I read, it was on, I can't remember. It wasn't verified because I didn't really do the math, but they said approximately she's given birth uh, over the course of 21 years with 15 months in between most of her babies. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, when you say 15 months in between her babies, I don't think, 
I think they're counting the pregnancy. Time. Yeah, like the nine month pregnancy. So she's so taking really like, she's on like five and a half months, really. Well, I'm maybe she likes being pregnant. I, I she I, loves going down hills. <laughs> That's her shit. <laughs> but okay, so anyway, like I said, 2008, 17 kids and counting to eventually when it ends, you know, being 19 and ki- 19 kids and counting, but their popularity is rising. You know, the offers are coming in, you know, the brand deals are coming in because they're a, uh, a clean cut American family and they had values and they got all those kids who dress alike, you know, that type of thing. Uh-huh. So um, the Duggars, this is 2002, 2003, you know, they're, they're thinking that with this popularity, with this new found celebrity that they've reached like a new chapter in their lives, uh, a different future. And that puts the past behind them. But unfortunately uh, that's not a hundred percent true. As we find out later, the past always comes back. It always does. Now, um, because of how devout and dedicated Jim, Bob and Michelle were, uh, especially, I guess, when it comes to their religion and their beliefs, they attracted like mind folks. They weren't the type of people who uh, talked about family values and then went and, you know, became friends with like, um, not to down nobody, but I guess strippers. Like they make it make sense. You know, they hung around with people who were just like them in terms of influential power and standing in a church and religious beliefs. So they wanted people who believed in the same thing as them, but also were on the same level of ground as them as relating to them. I get that. Our friends are our truest reflection. Like you want someone who's like you. Yeah. Now in these, uh, in these social and church circles that they mingled in, uh, they did attract different type of people. And with these people that they became friends and acquaintances with, they endorsed their their um, teachings and kind of their lifestyle. They all tweak different rules and things that they live by. But what you will find when I talk about some of these other people later that have been in the Duggars life is that most of the rules they all follow. Like I said, these people uh, come into their lives, they endorse their teachings, they use them as consultants in their life. Or they they come into the lives as people who they can uh, start business endeavors with, whether it be like speaking engagements, uh, conventions, things like that. Just for having kids? I mean. No, no, no. I'm talking about in the church. Like, OK, um, like because they're just this. I get what you're saying. But Like, OK, so they got all these kids. And they're becoming famous, but they're they've always even before the fame, when uh, Jim Bob was in the House of Representatives, they were very known in the church. Maybe I should have probably put and more uh, stamp that in there. But yes, I get what you're saying. Like a good American family, God fearing mm-hmm. family. Exactly. They know the ministers. They, they know who they're hold, uh, shaking hands with, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies. They're, they were that type of family. Kind of like seven heaven. Mm-hmm. Like even around this time, I think this is this is like right around. So this is like around 2008. So Obama is about to become president. And uh, before that, Mike Huckabee was trying to become the Republican nominee that eventually went to John McCain. 
rest in peace. But uh, Mike Huckabee is actually a good friend of uh, the Duggars. Do you know who Mike Huckabee is? You know, politician? I, I know his daughter. Who's his daughter? Something Huckabee. Oh, Sarah. Oh, my God. Her. I can't. Okay, never mind. I was getting off top. <laughs> I know who his daughter is. <laughs> she was. I forgot. Her face don't move. Okay, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was stupid. Okay, but mm, we'll talk about him. But he's not that important to the story. Uh, so anyway, like I said, um, with these people, though, they decided to become friends and acquaintances with. Unfortunately, even though they seem on the outside like like-minded individuals, they care about family values and preaching the word and teaching uh, our children and passing our teachings on in a uh, a proper way. A lot of these people are just honestly, and I, we have to say allegedly, deplorable, um, deceptive, and kind of disgusting people who used or have used their religion and patriarchy to lead others in fear, uh, use other people's weaknesses and their influence to gain them as followers, to spread misinformation, to bring others to their side or shape the reality that has been created for you by them. And unfortunately, a couple of these people who were big acquaintances or friends of the Duggars are Doug Phillips and Bill Gotthard. Don't know them. I don't either. Okay. <laughs> but um, me talking about these two men is basically just a way to also paint that the Duggars from the outside, as they gain their popularity, like I said, it's looking like this clean cut American family uh, that believes in family values. And maybe they're a little weird because they don't want you to kiss before marriage and they like to take their their uh, kids on chaperone dates, but they're just like you and me. But truthfully, the people that they surround themselves with do the same thing, but have very dark, sinister allegations attached to them. And because they have these serious and uh, deplorable allegations attached to them, it does make you wonder about the company that they're keeping. Yeah. So we'll first talk about Doug. Uh, well, so both well, Doug Phillips and Bill Gotthard are both founders uh, slash ministers and authors of infamous institutions and have both been connected to the Duggar family in uh, both faith and financial endeavors. So Doug Phillips is a former president of the Vision Forum Ministries. He has also been described as a leader of the Quiverful movement. The name Quiverful uh, comes from the Bible. Um, the book of Psalms 127, uh, Bible people, you can call me out if I'm wrong. I'm not going to lie. I haven't hit a Bible in a while. Um, but the quote goes, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Uh, and if you're familiar with a bow and arrow. Amen. <laughs> i'm done with you if you're familiar with a bow and arrow a quiver is that case that holds the arrows in yes 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 yes. yeah it's just basically saying that you know it's you're looked down upon for not fully 
giving the Lord your all, and I guess uh, birthing these offsprings, but the, the, the families and the people who do, who are fruitful, I guess, with uh, procreation, they're blessed and that they'll never be, I don't know, led astray. I think it's weird, but it's what they believe. I feel weird, you know, I'm quiverful. It, I've been saying, I've written down the word quiver so much. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> it starts to not even sound like a word. Yeah. <laughs> so in this lifestyle, the quiverful lifestyle, you are basically going back to what Jim, Bob and Michelle said, you're trusting the Lord with your family. So that means no contraceptives at all. I even read that with the the quiverful Christians that they believe like natural f- family planning is uh, still a contraceptive. Like basically, when they uh, when people say they're going to wait until you're ovulating, the quiverful Christians don't believe in that. If if it's time, it's time. They don't care what day they're going to do it. Type of situation. No. Yeah. They also believe that the father is the head of the house and is responsible for his wife and his children's physical, emotional and spiritual well-being. I feel like that's a common thing with religions. Yeah, I I will say whether you believe it or not, I will say that kind of statement, just at least that piece is like a staple in most religions. Yeah. And that God works through the father. Uh, they believe that courtship has to go through the parents and that the children may never be alone. Um, it is expected that their first kiss is at the altar. Now, Ooh. let me explain exactly how they they, they do this courtship, courtship situation. So uh, let's say it's me and you. Hey. <laughs> oh, are we dating? Yes. Okay. Uh, so basically, your father... Okay. I just want to say that you know you'd be lighting me up about my people, but anyway, (laughs) uh, your father, you would have to tell. No, see, I still meant. I just wanted to say your father because I still said it out of order. (laughs) You would come to my father and you would tell him, "I'm interested in dating your daughter." Then my do I do that as a man? Is that why I have to do it? Yes, yes. Okay. I have no say. And I'm going to get to when I have some say, and I don't even think it's on sign. So basically, you tell my father that, and then if my father is okay with that, he goes to your father. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, uh, you know, my your, your son wants to date my daughter. I'm okay with that. Do you agree? You know, whatever. Now, in between that, since you're asking uh, my father to date me, I'm supposed to agree, you know, so show some sort of interest. And then the agreement is made once the two fathers uh, say it's okay. But what I feel like is that in this religion where a lot of the stuff is ambiguous, I feel like the, 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 um, and, and the men are given so much power and authority. I feel like uh, the women showing interest or agreeing is maybe not always a hundred percent. I can see that. I mean, if the women are supposed to be like submissive and stuff, then if the dad wants to them to date someone, they'd be like, of course, Papa. Yes. Or if the father thinks that somebody who's asked to date you, even if you don't want to date them, if they maybe think that that's the guy for you and then their father agrees as well. It's like, well, what the fuck do you do? 
Yeah, so I, I, I just, it's I just very old timey. I feel like you know, like yeah. back when that's how they would do it back in the day. I feel like, and you'd bring like the dad two pigs and like I want to marry your daughter. Yeah, a dowry. Yeah, yeah. a type of thing. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see the same thing. And um, so once they do something like that, it and the fathers agree, and the the couple comes together. Like it's not like regular dating. Like apparently, once the families agree, like this is some serious courtship. Like on their way to engagement marriage type situation. Oh, really? But, yeah, but here's the thing. Even still, they're doing this serious courtship. The parents have agreed. They met each other. They can't be alone in a room. Dates have to be by the group. Um, and some, and some, uh, they say you can't, like, like I said, kiss until you get married, hold hands until you're engaged. Like, there's very strict rules. It seems like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I accidentally, you know how many times I accidentally have brushed against a hand? Bro. Slut. I've been married. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so they, <laughs> they also homes, homeschool their children um, so that their, their children are sheltered, you know, not only from outside influences, but I also think that they try to uh, shield them from outside children. Because if you think about it, when you get sent to a school, you're getting sent to school with everyone. Uh, anybody who's on the poverty line to people who could be above it, like heavily above it to just right above it. And so when I think they're wanting to shelter their children from outside influences, it's, I think it's also children because children can influence other children. Hey, your your kids, your parents don't do that. You guys don't do this. I don't want you seeing what other kids have. I don't want other kids thinking that you're weird or you being envious. I, I could see that. So I see um, where they're coming from because my grandma was a Jehovah's Witness, which is different than what they are. But mm-hmm. she would always tell me as a kid, like, you know, don't get too close to those people at school because they're wicked. And, you know, they're outside of us. They're not into religion. They're outside. Like, you can't get too close to them. And so I feel like that, what you're talking about is like more to the extreme of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I didn't even say it. Yes. Uh, the, the Duggars are devout Baptists. That's, I, I don't think, I think I skipped over that accidentally, but yeah, they're devout Baptists. Um, and so the funny thing is, so like I said before, Jim Bob and Michelle said that they wanted to let God determine how many children that they have. And that's kind of one of the, uh, elements of what the quiverful movement is they also do a lot of the things that other quiverful christians do like the homeschooling um and uh they also said that they didn't let their children hold hands until they got engaged um the gender roles as well so the funny thing is they say they're not quiverful christians they they're quoted as saying like even though wikipedia and some internet blogs report that we are a part of this quiverful movement. We are not. We're just simply Bible-believing Christians who desire to follow God's word and apply it to our lives. God says children are a gift and a blessing, and we believe it. Yeah, that's funny. Like, if you Google quiverful movement, mm-hmm. all that pops up is the freaking dudders. Yes. And so what also made me laugh is that, so they have this quote basically saying, like they're not doing anything. They're not bashing the quiverful movement, but they're not embracing it either. But they are talking about how they're just Bible believing Christians. And what I read is that a lot of people uh, understand and know that 
the quiverful moment is it has negative connotations attached to it. People associate certain behaviors uh, with people who follow those ideologies. A former quiverful follower said that basically a lot of the Christians that are a part or associated with the quiverful movement basically follow all the laws, live the lifestyle, but just don't publicly label themselves as such because they don't want to be thrown in that bunch of uh, very strict, devout, rigid Christian. But they are. So Uh I don't. I don't think the Doug, the Duggars may or may not be one of these types of Christians, but I just think it's funny that uh, their movement is started by this scripture that they started to live by and that they also live by a lot of the lifestyles of this uh, movement, including, you know, gender roles. Um, basically, the women only overrule the house and the children. And even then, if the father comes in, he still overrules everything. Yeah. As- I'm. That's common. Like I said earlier, in a lot of, especially Christian religions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the way that they put it. They put it in such a way where it seems like this is not a choice. Women who are not like bound by such strict laws. If you want to submit or, uh, to your your partner you have a choice in this situation it seems like once you're together once you're locked in it you don't really have a choice it's expected yeah because it's what god wants out of you according to them and if you don't do what you're told or if you're not completing your duties as listed you're disrespecting the household. You're disrespecting God. You you don't have you, you, you're kind of worthless. And then you're you're quote unquote going to be punished by God. You know that type of situation is how they frame it. Yeah. Uh, so also they uh you know about the the dress they girls can't dress revealing. They consider skirts above the knee revealing. Shirts that show your neckline or your collarbones. Ooh. Um, they basically said they have to practice modesty um, because if you, you wear revealing clothes or shorter skirts, it seemed as shameful uh, slash seductive in like a negative sense. So, seductive, like you're trying to tempt the Christian man from his path from God type of situation. Do you know if they can wear pants? So here's the thing. They uh, it says that they can uh Wear pants. I think they're not supposed to wear denim. Oh, no denim skirts. And I know Michelle and Jim Bob say that the men can't wear shorts. Men or the women can't wear shorts. Now, I know some of the older kids, as they've grown up and gotten the hell out of that house, you know, started disregarding some of those clothing rules. But, yeah, that's what they've said as their household rules. No shorts. No shorts. Men, women, you got to be hot as fuck. I guess, I mean, that could be seen as revealing. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, but I, you know, go on ahead. Because, I mean, if, you, if you're thinking it's kids and summer, sometimes you just got to, you got to be a little bit more, go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, back to uh, Phillips. So Phillips is the leader of this quiverful movement. Uh, he's 
kind of acquaintances and has a connection with the Duggar family. And so, you know, they're associated all these years. But uh, 2013, Phillips, who, like I said, was the president of the Vision Forum Ministries, he makes this public statement. He says that he's had a lengthy, inappropriate relationship with a young lady um, that wasn't his wife. And that despite not knowing each other in the biblical sense, that it was still inappropriate, romantic, and affectionate. And it also stands as a resignation from his post as president. Hmm. So uh, do you know what he's talking most people uh, won't know, but I think, you know, what uh, he means when he's talking about they didn't know each other in the biblical sense. Was that just like sex? Yeah. He's basically saying that, you know, he had this uh, inappropriate romantic relationship with a young lady that he never had sex with, but it was still inappropriate and affectionate and romantic. And it's crazy the words he uses when I get to this next point. Um, but he's resi- he's resigning from his post as president um, at the VFM. Now, a year later, f- maybe uh, give or take a couple months from him making that statement, 2014, a woman named Lourdes Torres, who was a former employee and nanny to Phillips, she sues both him and the ministry uh, basically for sexually abusing her um, during the time she was. Uh, employed and acquainted with him. And also she sues the ministry for knowing what he was doing and trying to cover it up in the the emotional distress. Whoa, that Mm. is a lot more than what he was saying. (laughs) Yeah, it it gives worse. Like, I got to say some other stuff. I'm not even prepared to say this. So uh, basically she says that Uh, she accuses him of grooming her from the age of 15 when they met. Uh, You know, they met in the church. Uh, He persuades her to, you know, start working to to be his mentee and to work with him. And then it turns into her getting moved into the house and then uh, being like kind of an assistant for the ministry, but then also later becoming a nanny. Now, uh, when the sexual abuse starts, she does say that she was of a legal age, but it was, she didn't know how to uh, go about reporting or getting out of the situation because she, she had been groomed. She was, she, this is all she knew. And she was being threatened about uh, not leaving. He also in between like threatening her about, you know, not leaving him was also convinced that his wife was going to die and he was telling her that you know I'm going to marry you and really move you in so she's kind of like back and forth so um in later years when the sexual abuse starts unfortunately she's living at the home and what's happening is that late at night when everybody is asleep when everybody is asleep he's coming to her bedroom he's like sexually assaulting her but like fondling her and groping her and then he's masturbating over her and then he's ejaculating on her. And during this whole sequence of events that happens frequently night after night, she's saying no and she's refusing, but he's not listening to her. Oof. Yeah, it's hard. That's horrible. Yeah. And 
the the thing is is that she kind of felt like she was in a uh she couldn't win because she's like on one side he's using his his power his influence you know the mentorship and stuff that he's given me to gain control over her but well i said me but her uh to uh the mentorship and stuff that he's given her to gain control over her but because of what he preaches in the uh the ministry and how he's supposed to live his life he the actions that he's doing to her in the night is essentially in her mind labeling herself as damaged goods yeah you know because the women are supposed to be pristine and pure you're supposed to do this but i got this man preaching the word at in the day violating me at night especially if they're not even supposed to like hold hands or anything like that's a major mm-hmm. and, and, and and what killed me about this is that so she's saying that this man is coming into her room and sexually assaulting masturbating and ejaculating on her and in his now grant she does say this afterwards so if you want to be devil's advocate you could be like well she could have just like cut and paste that to fit the narrative that he already wrote but in his own statement he says, now, Grant, he leaves a lot to be desired and a lot left out. He gives you no details, but he says that he has an inappropriate, he tried to label it romantic uh, relationship with a young woman who, even though they never had, I guess, penetrative sex, that they, it, it was affectionate. Like, they touches were shared. Now he's painting it as consensual, but she's later saying that, no, it wasn't. So I just thought, you know, how that matched up. It was, it was a little disturbing, but I think that it might've been what could have happened. Yeah. So, um, like I said, she's thinking that she's damaged goods because of his, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation and, uh, not following his own teachings. Um, so she files this in 2004. As the case moves on, uh, there were not really many updates. And then in 2016, everything falls off. And then when you look it back up, uh, the case got dismissed. The speculation is that since you have not heard a word of it, is that basically it was settled out of court. She, uh, They both had a gag order, so nobody can publicly speak about it without legal repercussions. Yeah, and it's so hard. I mean, all of sexual assault cases are very hard when it's basically boils down to he said, she said. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like at least if nobody can badmouth her, it's a yeah. shame that she can't really share her truth as much as maybe she wanted to. But hopefully in the settlement, she's she found some sort of peace. You yeah. know, one of the reasons why I bring up Doug's Phillips history and everything is because, uh, like I said, Jim, Bob and Michelle claim to not be quiverful Christians, but they. It seems like uh, what they're saying and how they're doing is not matched up. They have spoke at Vision Forum ministry events uh, in 2010 the vision uh, foreign ministry that 
Phillips used to be over, gave her Mother of the Year Award. She had two DVDs on their website. Um, one was called Tea with Michelle Duggar. The other one, Hospitality with Michelle Duggar. I know Tea with Michelle Duggar is not her talking shit like about people. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> Come here and listen to this tea. It's hot. It's hot and piping and it's sleepy time because I got to get up with the kids at six. That's just where I picture like, let, let me tell you what I heard about this church member. Yeah, it's just, it's funny because <laughs> I just got there. Guess who has 25 kids? <laughs> and but, I, okay, not to excuse stutters, but I can see like, why they kind of would be with that association just because they're probably most likely they're going to pay for it just Mm -hmm. because they're in the limelight and maybe they're not quiverful but they're close enough that they're godly so these people are going to kind of shine a light on them Mm. i kind of agree with you i think it's either one or the other either they are and they just don't want to tell you because they don't want to further smudge up their reputation or that they're not but they know that they're close enough to that movement that they definitely can get the influence and the money if they play it right and a lot of these christian religions you know they break down to very little differences like between christianity and baptists and whatever else there is out there yeah, sometimes they do split hairs. And yeah. like, what's the difference? And then somebody tells you, and you're like, oh, ain't no difference. But you yeah. don't say that because you don't want to get spiritual soft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, you know, oh, well, we don't dance and we go to church on Wednesdays or something. Like, so it's just yeah, something. Say, but I blasphemy, bitch. <laughs> yeah, so she has those DVDs. She's had speaking engagements, um, like at a convention or two that they've sponsored. Um, so, like I said, it doesn't mean that the Duggars are, you know, responsible for Doug Phillips' behavior or condone their actions or anything like that. But it just says how they know how to keep away from things that might negatively impact them uh, when the situation gets tough. But until that happens, it's all they're all for the the photo ops and the handshakes. Because you they you don't see a relationship with Doug Phillips and his wife really in the spotlight with the Duggars anymore after the 2013 and 14 scandals. But before then, you they had a fine relationship. You see you see them in pictures. You see a girl on stage. You see you you know they may not be friends, but they friendly. Yeah, but at the worst, it's they just don't want to be around them because it's bad for their image. And- yeah. At best, they could think he's a horrible person, so they want to distance themselves. That may be true, but if you're not, like, releasing, like, statements and you're not condemning them, it seems like you're more so on the side of, if I don't say nothing, nobody notices anything. I I get that, yeah. And you get to stay neutral and still benefit from both sides. You get to benefit by still being the friends with the people who are being who are on the shame block right now, but you also uh, don't get any negative press by uh, saying you're with or against those people because you haven't said anything. You're just the Duggars. That's true. And the 19 kids. Yeah, the 19 kids and counting. So uh, <laughs> basically, I assume that with them, you know, sometimes 
if they're from the same background, the same socioeconomical background, cultureness, that the price is negotiable for um, being associated or networking, you know? Uh, maybe if it's not money that's being exchanged, I feel like maybe it's a little bit more dark. Maybe they're doing some quid pro quo for some secrets, you know? Some dungeon secrets. Mm, there you go with your conspiracies, but okay. I know, I got a few. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so the second uh, shadowy figure that kind of follows the uh, the Duggar family would be Bill Gothead. Here's the crazy thing. I don't know how this name is it's spelled like Gothead. I don't what like is- that I got to say this name, this man's last name. Like so this. G-O-T-H-E-A-D? 100%. That sounds like a good like rapper name. One hundred percent. Like maybe a producer. Like he streams at the beginning of every song. Bill Gothead. I was gonna do like a a a beat, but nah. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the second Bill, he founds the institute, the Institute in Basic Life Principles, and also the Advanced Training Institute. Now the Duggars have a few ties to those places. And they more so come up in the 2002 scandal that I'm going to go back and reference. But um, Bill was a close consultant and friend of the family for a while. And then 2014 himself, he was accused of inappropriately touching some of the teenage girls uh, from the institute that he's founded that does have like a homeschooling arm slash, you know, like section of his institute. There's a homeschooling section and that the Duggars that the Duggars were a part of. Um, what the fuck is always with these goddamn religious, you know, institutions, people that it's always comes down to like, I mean, look at the freaking Catholic church where all those priests molesting kids. Like mm-hmm. there's, I, I'm not trying to shit on religion. Like if believe what you want to believe, but it's always those people and the religious movement, like these people that we're talking about now, but it's just horrible that they're not practicing what they preach pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and then they get mad when sometimes you call them out on that and say, we're, we're not supposed to be perfect. Yeah, we know. So stop fucking acting like it right. and judging other people. <laughs> I, I'm not saying like religious people. Like if you have a religion, go ahead. And die. I'm no. On the next episode, I'll have a new co-host. You know, I've walked down a L tiller too. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just (laughs) but uh (laughs) forgot what I was saying. (laughs) But um, so yeah, they're they're associated with this other guy who's founded these institutes that help these a religious family, but most important, these religious children. And he was accused of touching these teenage girls. Um, And the Duggars were a part of that homeschooling section of his uh, institute, whether they had the children there, you know, they were involved in some teachings. It doesn't really say, but it just says that they were a part of uh, the homeschooling section. Uh, When he got accused in 2014, about 18 former staffers of the institute spoke up against Bill and the whole um, institute for trying to actually like to silence them, to, to hide the scandal. Because I guess, you know, the students came out uh, 
the way things, I guess the way the things that were being handled wasn't right. So staffers who either were currently employed or who used to be employed, but knew the details of what was going, what had happened, uh, ended up, you know, blowing the whistle about, hey, these these motherfuckers trying to bury this shit. Don't you see this? Yeah. Now, the crazy thing is that, you know, this, this lawsuit didn't go anywhere. It, it just kind of did. I don't find that crazy. Surprise, surprise. Like, <laughs> like they kind of view the way that they kind of more than Doug, I guess, because Doug, uh, you know, Doug resigned from president of his ministries and then the whole thing collapsed. It's over, whatever. Uh, Bill, his situation just, you know, it was done and he's, you know, he still had his influence. He still had a cult-like following, I would say. And so these are just... Oh, it's got it's got hard. I've been calling him Godhead. That's funny. <laughs> I, I just can't write. See, you are right. Maybe I should type. Yeah. Never happening. Um, These are just allegations right now, right? Like it's... Yeah, like I said, they're, that's why I said they're allegedly disgusting people, but... When these people start like disappearing and walking back and changing the way that they they move, I feel like there's a lot of you. You need to look at that as maybe being a little bit of truth to something that hasn't been fully uh, discovered. There are just people that are not going to believe. Like you have to pretty much give them so much evidence and they probably still won't believe especially if it's a religious man and it's so it's so fucked up about it you know yeah so um now like i said just because uh the duggar family knows and associates with bill uh these are just allegations and it doesn't mean like i said they condone actions like this but their silence kind of speaks volumes uh pair and when you pair Bill with Doug and then the allegations that they have to deal with uh, with Josh, it just kind of shows a pattern of religious figures speaking out and preaching certain things, but also hiding these potentially, um, what do you want to call it? Sinister secrets. Yeah. You know? They got this per- public persona that may or may not be a complete facade. You know, they're preaching and teaching these beliefs, uh, the lifestyle, you know, they, they're shaming the gays, they're shaming, you know, all of the LGBT community, they're shaming uh, families that are different, whether it be single mothers, single fathers, and things of that nature. Anything that's different from the lives that they lead is something that they do not like or understand. But all the while, while they're doing that and they're pointing the finger, these people are locking up their fucking secrets, you know, but, you know, locking them up in the closet and then they go on stage preaching family Christian values and morality, you know, something like that. So just, just to go circle back, this is about the Duggars. So now we can finally start talking about the Duggars an hour in. (laughs) (laughs) I just want I just wanted you guys to know that when you when you do this research, unfortunately, I overthink things. So I kind of look at all angles. So when I looked at this family, I just wanted people kind to 
be mindful of the company that you keep. It does not mean that that's who you are, but it does uh, mean something. It means that when you are around people and you um, you endorse them, you do business with them, you speak up for them, that reflects on you and how people will view you in the public eye. Reading through the people that the Duggars consider like acquaintances and friends and consultants and confidants, you know, it's like a match of who hasn't offended somebody. Uh, some of them have done bad things. Some of them are just strict. But these two, I felt like really stood out, especially when you see what happened with Josh. So now when you get to uh, the Duggars and Josh, Josh, what I, I will say that I feel like what I talk about, Josh was very wrong for any and all of his actions. But I do believe at the core uh, that all the children, including Josh, were being kind of sexually re repressed or suppressed uh, by Jim, Bob and Michelle and not properly helped or counseled uh, about sex education, uh, good touch, bad touch, maybe right or wrong by his own family. Or you can even extend it out to their village of consultants or ministers that they have at their disposal. And because of the way that Jim Bob and Michelle decided to kind of educate their kids uh, on their biology and sex education and stuff like that, I feel like kind to shape the terrible events that we're kind of talking about that happened when Josh was just a teenager. Alrighty, right. Really don't know anything about that. Okay, so basically what happened is uh, we talked about early, way early, how in 2002, the family got that photo taken of them at the polls where they're looking all America and they're voting, right? Yes. Months before March of that same year, 2002, and I got this all from the police report. March 2002, Josh comes up to his uh, parents. He is 14 at this time and he's in tears and he's saying that he's been sneaking into the girl's room at night and he's been like fondling them on their breasts and vaginal areas. Um, oh. he's, yeah. And he says that this, it, when he's coming to his uh, parents in March, he's saying that this has happened about four to five times. Yeah. Okay. Is the police report from back then or from the future? So the police report is from the, it's from three years after this has happened. And oh. I'll get to why that has, why okay. that, that happened. That's. Uh, that's it's, just, it's, it's, it's a mind. You got to go through all this just to talk to talk about this situation. It's disturbing on its own, but I don't know why I find it more disturbing that Josh is the one going to his parents. I like, he can't stop himself. I feel like, bro, just wait. So, um, they, he says that this happened like four to five times, um, in the police report, they don't say that they did anything. They don't say that they really punished him. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, Josh begged for forgiveness, told them, confessed, about what was happening. And since I guess he confessed and he felt regretful, it was a situation where I guess they thought they could move past it and nothing was done. So <sighs> yeah, that was March. This is now July, 2002. Josh once again goes to his parents. 
and tells them that while a family, a female family friend, which I guess uh, we learn later was a babysitter, she was sleeping on the couch and Josh went uh, to her while she was sleeping on the couch and fondled her breast. What the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. After and this incident, I'm sorry. he was you, disciplined. You said how long after? The this first? is July, like a few months. So the first one happened. The first one he confesses to in March. Okay. The next one he confesses to in July. Um, so he confesses to this one again or the babysitter yes. says it? No, no, no. So this is what's so confusing. Everything that I'm reading is from the police report. And the police report is, you know, they're just documenting what the family is telling them. Yeah. But I have read other, unfortunately, unverified articles that um, do not agree with the police report. They say that because Jim Bob in the police report says that uh, Josh confesses. And then later on in the Megyn Kelly interview that I'm going to talk about, he doubles down on Josh having a soft heart and confessing his sins. But other people say that these women, not these women, because I don't even want to say these little girls, some of them did come forward. Josh didn't come confess to all of them. Some of these girls told on their own. Work. If Jim Bob is saying he's having a soft heart and confessing, that could just be the girls came, told Jim Bob about it, and Josh is like, "Yes, I did. Did I feel horrible?" Exactly. And, I mean, that's a confession. Know. Like that doesn't mean he's yeah going. Oh, but okay. So he has pretty much sexually assaulted the babysitter now. Yes. So um, this time they decide to discipline him. Um, in a interview, I learned that this quote unquote discipline that he got was like, um, that they were going to constantly survey him. Uh, basically Josh was not let out of their sight. He was not to be alone. He was not to be alone with the girls. He went to Jim Bob. He went with Jim Bob to work and things like that. That was his discipline. Um, what would you think? It, that it's not a part of punishment. <laughs> it, okay, it's not. It's obviously. I think he does need supervision. I think at that point he also needed to be talked to about why it's inappropriate and he needed to be checked in somewhere. He was yes. fourteen years old. We started high school at thirteen, bro. I met you at thirteen. I mean, I met you before then, actually. Yeah, I'm not trying to excuse Josh, but like, just that he was. I, I don't know how much outside world he had. And obviously he's going through all these changes where he's mm-hmm. going through puberty probably around this time and hormones, which is not to excuse it at all, but mm-hmm. you know, go see someone go with, I don't know, just because you're religious does not mean you're an idiot. Like obviously they knew it was wrong. Yeah. I, f- I feel like this was definitely, um, you know, they may they could blame this on Josh being their first child and not experiencing something like this, but very seldom does anybody experience a situation like this. And I feel like they were so worried about maybe public opinion and, or just dealing with the fact they might have a child that is different, that they didn't handle this correctly at all. Okay. But so, um, like I said, they were constant. They were on his case, you know. 
Um, and I guess the punishment was over. It, it was done. You know, then I said November 2002, that's when they go viral. All that stuff happens. Their stock and their popularity is rising. Um, you know, they're getting offers for interviews and stuff like that. But then here comes the following year, 2003. Uh, in March, there is another incident with Josh. But this is like one of the, I don't know, I guess it's because I saw the age with it that I felt like it's one of the sickest ones. So March 2003, there's a, another incident with Josh. Uh, but this time it involves his, at this time, five-year-old sister. Mm. Um, I don't know, kind of, I guess I should, I should have probably done a trigger warning at the beginning of the episode because this whole thing is kind of like icky and it's kind of gross and very upsetting kind of to talk about and get into the inner workings but yeah i guess we'll put one in the description yeah definitely um but so his sister's five years old and she's sitting on his lap and he's reading her a story as this is happening he is apparently uh fondling her vaginal area and her breasts where the fuck is Jim Bob? He's supposed to be watching him all the time. I, I have no f- fucking idea. So, and then, so in this, it's a very chaotic time frame that's kind of explained in the police report where he does this to his five-year-old sister. And then after he gets done, somewhere in there, he tells Jim Bob what he did. And then somewhere in between there, his his other sister is standing in the laundry room and he puts his hand up her dress. Yeah, it's crazy. So I don't know if you know, but do you know how many sisters he ended up abusing? I was, I was just going to get to that. So okay. the police report basically reports five victims. You have uh, one of the victims being the... Uh, the family friend, the uh, the uh, babysitter, and the other four are his sisters. All of them. Like, I don't want to keep blaming the parents because, you know, sometimes it does happen. It's not the parents' fault. Mm-hmm. But I think when it keeps happening and you know it's happening, like, why the fuck are you not doing anything to exactly. stop it? Like, obviously watching him which is not going to work because you can't watch someone 24 seven because you can't be with them. Like you have your own life to live. So I don't know, like get him some help. Exactly. So this is the third time. And maybe it's been a full year to be fair. Maybe they are in the church trying to get him some help. A lot of people do go through the church to get help. Well, not according to them. Okay. Okay. I was just trying to be fair. But this is when, this is when what you're saying does happen. So um, this is the third time and it's been officially a year since Josh reportedly told on himself. This is when they decide to get members of their church involved or the elders involved. Um, All the elders basically agree once the situation has been explained they all agree that Josh does need to be sent away and get some help. They're the, I guess Jim, Jim, Bob and Michelle are kind of particular. So um, a juvenile youth slash sex offender uh, center is put on the table as an option for Josh to go. Jim, Bob and Michelle do not like that option. It makes them feel uncomfortable. They are scared. He would be around 
quote unquote, real criminals, you know, stuff like that. He could get hurt. Um, They bring up a couple other ideas. And then eventually it is decided that uh, by, you know, the elders and Jim, Bob and uh, Michelle, that Josh will go get some faith based healing uh, and counsel at the Institute and basic life principles. And if that does not sound familiar, that is the Institute that was founded by Bill Gotthard. <laughs> oh. I can't believe I said his name wrong the whole time. <laughs> so he goes down to the Institute and in basic life principles in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, Jim Bob, one of the reasons why he explains like he liked this place and thought it was a good place is because it was in the same building or vicinity as a police station. I I, I don't know why, but that's that's what he said. Okay. Uh, so apparently when they sent uh, Josh down there, which he was now 15 when they sent him to Little Rock, the whole faith based healing slash counsel was very loose. Um the mentor that they had there for him was not licensed in any way. And they sent him down there more so because he was doing construction slash remodeling work. And it was something that Josh could go down there and, you know, put in some elbow grease and work hard and uh, also get some counsel from somebody of his faith uh, outside of the house. But it, this is, I would not consider this counseling at all. I would yeah. consider this very loose, uh, a friend helping a friend and stowing my, my son for a, a satisfiable amount of time so he can learn his, his lesson, which they did very late. And they, I don't think they did long enough. This or correctly. is a little beside now, but I guess I need it just so we don't have to keep talking about Josh for one second. But I was looking at therapists around me because I'm like, mm, maybe I want to go. And <laughs> I was looking at this one and it's like really close. I'm like, oh my God, I should go there. And it was like cheap. And I'm like, oh, this is so much cheaper than I thought it would be. And then it, it said, faith-based, we teach with the Bible how to hear you. I'm like, oh, like that's why. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to that one. Come on, you gotta be our mole. <laughs> like, yeah, I was not. So I just think like, you can have your religion. I think that can help people, you know, search within and all that but at the same time maybe get professional help as well exactly so uh so he does that quote-unquote faith-based counseling healing josh comes back home in july of the same year 2003 and um apparently everything is back to normal um josh is a changed man and he's he's back on the path to god that type of situation um, they say that Josh is forgiven. The situation is therebore, therefore gone. You know, it's buried and they're on to, I guess, greener pastures. This is 2003. So, you know, as this is uh, life is passing by 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, they have a couple more Discovery Life specials. They're getting more popular. They're getting more interviews. Now we get to 2006, specifically December 2006. The Duggar family is in Chicago. They are supposed to be filming an interview with the one and the only Oprah Winfrey, right? True. So um, basically, they flew down there, I guess, with a day a, a day or two in advance. And 
right before they're supposed to film, I guess a day before, um, an anonymous tip is sent into Harpo Studios. And it basically, in Harpo Studios, if you do not know, is where Oprah Films is her production, you know, studio. But uh, it's sent to Harpo Studios, and this tip is detailing the whole sealed juvenile Joshua case. Do we know who sent the tip in? Anonymous. Huh. Right? They sent it. Like, basically, I'm going to read what uh, part of the things that they said, but... um, in the, in the tip is detailing the whole juvenile Josh scandal saying like uh, the, jo- the the Duggar family is coming onto your show. Josh has molested his sisters. They don't want to tell anybody, something like that. Uh, part of the note, the tip says, um, you need to know the truth. They are not what they seem to be. Jim Bob lies to his church and they do interviews to make their family look good and to support and to receive free merchandise. Or maybe they said stuff, but I put merchandise. It sounded fancier. <laughs> um, so then Oprah's staff gets this tip um, and they drop the Duggar family interview. You know, they they don't touch it. They fax that tip to a child abuse hotline. The child abuse hotline then takes that tip and gets the, you know, the Arkansas police involved. When the police get involved, you know, they make contact with the Duggars right away to start investigating the matter and getting to the bottom of things. Cause you know, uh, when it comes to tips like this, it's serious. Uh, and I guess maybe the time wasn't put on there. So they don't know the time limit of when everything has happened. But once they start getting the information, they start investigating the children, doing all the interviews. Unfortunately, the three year um, statute of limitations on, I guess, sexual assault, which that's crazy three years. I mean, it should be like murder. Like there should be no statute. Yeah. Um, the three years was up. So even though they may or may not have had a case, maybe they wanted to do something, maybe they wouldn't have, but they can't do anything anyway. So it's, it's just done. No charges are filed and the scandal is reburied. Now, uh, time passes and you got a whole bunch of updates. You got um, the Duggars officially getting their sh- their show from the specials. Uh, Josh turning eighteen and meet- and meeting his future wife Anna at the Advanced Training Institute. Two thousand and fourteen. You know Michelle gets under fire for making that transphobic robocall about protesting the anti uh, LGBT discriminatory. A law basically saying it was trying it was trying to get an ordinance passed in Arkansas that would help curb the discrimination of LGBT, uh, the LGBT community about getting jobs or getting service, receiving uh, health and stuff like that. And Michelle uh, put out a robocall to her region, her area, saying that you guys need to protest this and that they're trying to let uh men and child predators go into the bathroom with uh, women and young girls and stuff like that. And it was over the restroom thing. Yes, this is, yeah, this is when that whole, that's when that debate was like really hot right around for everybody. Um, So then, you know, the kids get older, the older kids get older. She's popping out some new ones. Others get engaged, married, and then pregnant. But then, as you know, this, you know, scandals 
stay silent for a little bit, but they come back up. So then here comes the sexual assault scandal again in 2015. You have In Touch magazine uh, back in May uh, has the police report, the, the records detailing the abuse. You know, a lot of the stuff's redacted. But if you know the Duggar family and you, you can pretty much connect the dots, it's not that hard. Um, and it's, you know, says all the stuff that I said before about the multiple incidents, who they decided to consult. And one thing that I didn't say I was going to leave it until later. But uh, at the end, after a full year has passed and Josh has come back from Little Rock, Arkansas in his uh, organization, not his organization, his faith-based healing, they do decide to go to a police uh, department. But they don't just go to a police department. They have a friend or acquaintance who works as a state trooper and uh, they go take Josh down there to tell him what he's done or tell they say Josh uh, to explain what he's done. And Josh tells them everything. And apparently nothing comes to that. Instead, the state trooper gives him a stern talking to and nothing happens. And that comes back later in a couple, you know, a couple minutes when I referenced the Megan Kelly interview about this state trooper and what the hell ended up happening to him. Okay. But uh, in 2015 in uh, May is when it all comes out and Josh is on the uh, defensive, but kind of, he's like defending himself, but he's not. So his quote, when it comes out, it's like 12 years ago, uh, as a young teenager, he acted inexcusably and he's extremely sorry. He deeply regrets that he hurt others in his family and close friends. And he confessed to, he, he says, I confess this to my parents who took several steps to help me address the situation. We spoke with the authorities where I confessed my wrongdoing and my parents arranged for me and those affected by my actions to receive counseling. And I understood that if I continued down this wrong road, that it would end up ruining my life. And I think that is just like a lot of fluff because even the police report where Jim Bob is detailing what he did, they didn't even get this man no help until a whole year after it happened. Yeah. And even then it was like March, May, four months, three, three, three good months. I don't know. It seems like uh, it was more so for a paper trail, but that's what Josh says about it when it gets leaked. Uh, public opinion, you know, a lot of people were shocked and not really that surprised, but most were like, of course, this is it's disgusting because you don't to hear about those things and the way that it was written out in plain English about what he did, even though he was not fully an adult you feel like as a teenager, the age that he was, he was very mindful of what he could have been doing. And this is somebody who a lot of people, like the TLC show had great, it was one of their highest shows. Like people were kind of obsessed with this family who really didn't do anything except for, they were just really religious and they had a lot of kids. And so this person you've been watching on TV for almost like, this is 15, 2015, uh, on and off for maybe almost a decade, you find out this he's kind of maybe a creep and they've been hiding this sinister type of secret in the dark 
but profiting off the love and support of others, it just kind of makes you look at them sideways, of course. Yeah. You had the one half that were, of course, shocked and disgusted about this, but then you had the other half that supported the family and were more so finger pointing at the the magazines and the media for leaking this type of information and and sealed records should be sealed. And I can't believe that th- this is legal, which I do understand that point. But there comes a time where you have to weigh out the harm. And I definitely think whether it was old or not, the leaking of the documents does not overtake the abuse that was kind of swept over the rug and hidden by the public while the publicly gets to support this this false facade. Yeah. So I, that's how I felt about it. So then that all happens in May. And then uh, the family, except for Josh, was, I guess it's not the whole family. It's just Jim, Bob and Michelle. One part speak to Megan Kelly. And then the second part is Jill and Jessa, which are two out of the four sisters who identified themselves as being sexually abused by Josh when they were children. Right. Yeah. So they have this, um, they have this Megan Kelly interview and let me tell you it, it was a, it was a tough watch for a few reasons, mostly because I can't handle serious things sometimes. And I I look for humor and sometimes it's not the the case. Uh And then it's just like, I felt like, hmm, I feel like, especially when it comes to Jim, Bob and Michelle, if you watch their interview, I feel a lot of it is put on, especially when Michelle gets to start explaining herself and she does this little cry voice and scrunch face, but ain't no tears coming out. And that is a pet peeve. Yeah. It's something a lot of the people do. Exactly. So um, they go over the situation again and Megan is asking them these questions and they're, they're good questions. Like um, what type of help were you going uh, how did you feel when uh, your son comes to you and tells you that he's done this and what type of safeguards did you put in place? And um, how'd you make your decision on how you were going to um, deal with the situation as a family publicly and all these other things. And I felt like they were taking the scenic route on a lot of questions. Um, What you'll see a lot of in this interview is Jim Bob defending Josh it's a lot of he was 14 and he confessed and we would have never known if Josh wasn't um, kind. It, like, honestly, it's crazy what he did. And it's, it's it, he doesn't say these words, but it comes across like he wants to say, man, we would have never known that our daughters were sexually assaulted if Josh was not kind enough to confess those things to us because we could not tell what the fuck was going on in our house that's how it seems that's okay that's one of the problems i have with big families like that big because Mm -hmm. there's no way you can keep track of them all there's fucking we're at that time like 15 or however many there were Mm -hmm. and it's like there's you don't know what's going on and i don't know if the girls were coming to them if they even felt close enough i know in families 
like normal three, four, whatever families Mm -hmm. that the older one is always going to kind of watch the younger ones. It's just something that happens. Yeah. And at that point when there's so many, like if Josh is watching these kids, you don't really know what the fuck's going on. And I mean, it's just amplified that you do not know what's going on. In exactly. My opinion. Yes. And, and another thing that happens is, okay. So like I said, in the police report, some of them, some of the times that I guess Josh was sexually assaulting them, they were asleep. I guess most of the time you could say, but some of them were definitely awake, like the sister who was on the lap and the sister who was in the laundry room and the other occurrences that we don't even know about that he admitted to, but I guess we just don't know the details. But in the interview, Jim, Bob and Michelle are like hammering down on this point of, well, um, yes, he, he, he did inappropriately touch them while they were asleep, but they didn't even know that it had happened. Like we had to tell the girls and like, he felt so bad. Like he was running up to us crying and he just like the language that they use is so poignant for how that they run their household and how you, how I feel, how I think that they feel. Do you think even they, Oh, sorry. Do you think she was being like easy on them or. This is what I'll say. She gave him maybe like one, maybe jab question that that maybe knocked him off guard and they still answered around it. But I definitely think she was easy on them. And maybe she was easy on them because she knew if she hit real hard, they probably wouldn't talk. They could have left and abandoned it. Or she agreed that she wasn't going to do a very hard hitting interview in the first place. So they would feel more comfortable. Yeah. Yes, when I was doing I, I the research for episode 12 on Maiden Kelly, I kept seeing that interview pop up, you know, Maiden Kelly and the Dutter family. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch it because I knew that you were going to do the Dutter family at some point. And I don't know. I know she asked like tough hitting questions, but it's definitely, I guess she didn't on that one. I think she did. She definitely picked up the vibe, which I was picking up with one of, one of the two, best question she asked which is was after jim bob is repeatedly talking about how um josh just made a mistake and you can't hold children uh back from mistakes especially if they're trying to repent and change themselves and uh he's the one who confessed to us because otherwise we wouldn't have known like megan asked a question like he's about to answer and she's like well hold on let me ask you as the father of your daughters because he doesn't really, he'll touch on the subject maybe for a second and he'll jump right back on to Josh. Like he doesn't really talk about his daughters at all, like how they were affected, how they dealt with it, what happened. Megan has to steer him to that. And even in that question, his answer, Josh still comes up as low key a hero. Yeah, it's something, the way you're describing it, it's something that. Jim Bob is seen as something that affected Josh, mm-hmm. that Josh had to go through instead mm-hmm. of the girls who were the victims in this. And I, I feel like you should watch it. Tell me what you think. But yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it after um, this. So um, Josh tells his parents that when he was doing this, it was because he was just, you know, curious, um, curious about girls and that they didn't even... Uh, he was going through puberty. He was just curious about girls. It's Jim Bob who says that uh, he did it while they were sleeping. They really didn't even know that they did it. We had to tell them. Um, and at this time, it was just, you know, his sisters. 
Um, and during this whole thing, total in the, the house, they got 14, 15 kids this time. So they're just four short of what ultimately was the whole household. Yeah. And they said, uh, you know, they had like girls in two different rooms. And so what I'm I'm thinking is that one of the safeguards they said in the interview that they did after Josh got help is that they started putting locks on the doors, you know, lock the doors and stuff. And I'm like, bro, that I don't, it, it might seem secure, but what I'm feeling is like, if you got that many kids, you got to lock the door. You're not just scared of Josh anymore. Like you just like, you're just trying to shut it all down. Exactly. You don't want anything to happen. Uh, they said they stopped letting them do hide and go seek. Um, don't sit on anybody's lap uh, except for your father. Um uh, they said they explained, they set all the kids down and talked to them about good touch and bad touch and things like that. And so what I was getting throughout this part of the interview was that this seemed like shit that they never talked to their children about. And even in the police report, the 2006 police report, because that's when that comes out, because they they didn't go to the, they went to the police in 2003 for a stern talking, but there was no record. But in the 2006 police report, one of the kids describes their genitals as a PP holder. PP holder? Yes. So, so it's like, do they know? Like, yeah. Okay, it's like maybe they were not they were not properly educated on their body in the correct names and what somebody should and shouldn't be able to do to them. And granted, she in the interview, the, the child that identifies her genitalia as the quote-unquote pp holder when the uh investigator asks her can somebody touch you there she does say no but this is three years after it's happened she might still refer to that as that but has now been taught that that shouldn't have happened in 2003 but in 2003 as a young girl growing up five-year-old older and such did they ever talk about biology was good touch, bad touch ever a thing? Or did they just assume that children were going to be children? They didn't have to worry about this type of thing until they started getting older and wanting to date. And they just kind of exed sexual education out of the whole equation and therefore kind of screwed themselves a little bit. I think, I don't know about you. I know I had to talk. Um mm-hmm. But I don't know how it came up one day when I was at work and we were talking about the talk and a lot of people say, you know, they never had to talk. Their parents never told them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of people get to talk from school. That's like the first time they really kind of hear about the birds and the bees and all that. And they were homeschooled. So obviously they're not going to get that. The daughters aren't going to get that. And it does kind of seem to me like they dropped the ball on that. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like they did it on purpose, though. They just didn't want to deal with it. I, I <laughs> the way you say it, it kind of seems like maliciously, like they did it on purpose, like they didn't want to deal with it. But I think it's more like they did it on purpose where they wanted to save their innocence. They didn't want to corrupt them with this kind of talk. I mean, I feel like being willfully ignorant when you have children is not a an option that that is true that is true i'm not in any way shape or form trying to defend the doctors you are <laughs> <laughs> I was just but uh anyway like um 
to wrap up their part and then move on to the sisters real quick, it just seems like they're trying to excuse not only the, their son, but excuse themselves for taking so long to uh, take action. And then the action that they take wasn't necessarily uh, resulting in too much profit. So for instance, like the faith-based counseling, Megan asked them, so did you do anything afterwards? Now the police reports, they don't mention anything. They don't say that after Josh uh, left Little Rock, they got him some professional licensed help. They say that him and the church elders took him to the police station. But in the interview with Megan, they state, oh, yeah, yeah, we got the uh, we got the girls and uh, Josh all professional license help as soon as he came back from Little Rock. And it's just it doesn't seem right. And they add a little things in their stories that weren't really seen in the police report. uh, That I feel like. Makes them seem better or ignorant in a way that it doesn't put blame on them. Like, for instance, I want to go back to that trooper, the trooper that they spoke to and the police report. Jim Bob says that that's the acquaintance of him, that he knew uh, he knew that police trooper because when he was uh, like a car salesman or a tow sales, when he was in that car towing business, uh, that police trooper used to inspect things or inspect the cars. And so he knew of them. So that's why they went to him with the Josh situation. And Josh apparently told him uh, what he wanted to. Uh, The officer says that Josh told him about one incident. Jim Bob claims that Josh spilled his heart out and told him everything. But here's the fucked up twist, Jose. This uh, trooper is now serving 56 years for child pornography. Uh, what? What in the fuck? Yes. <laughs> like, okay. So the stool or whatever the hell it was that Josh got sent off to, the guy in charge of that was charged with abusing the kids. And- the, the founder of that institute, yes, he was... Uh, he was sued. He was accused and sued about sexually assaulting those children. But then uh, the case basically fell apart or got dropped because they were having issues. So and then once he's out of that place, then they take him to this deputy and he's a child molester, too. Yep. So basically in the interview, so they say in the police report, like I said before, he's known as an acquaintance of Jim Bob. But in the Megan Kelly interview, uh, Kelly asked this uh, because, you know, they say we just walked into the police department. We just walked in because Josh wanted to come clean and tell what he's done. And we wanted to do the right thing by the law. That's a fucking lie because you waited a year and some months, a year and a half to even go to the police. They waited a year until they took this man off to a, 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 a construction ranch and then when he came back in the summer, they said, oh, yeah, let's go to the police. But in the uh, the mega interview, he tries to paint it like they just they were very open and honest. And they went to the first officer that was there. But uh, they, they say that once this came out years later about this cop getting uh, convicted of having possession of child pornography and getting the 56 years and him saying that, you know, Josh didn't tell me the whole story. He only told me about one incident. Uh, Jim Bob's response is that 
<laughs> he says, I don't know why that guy would say that, you know, we didn't know what he was about. We didn't really know him. You know, I just knew him from being in the tow business. And uh, it's crazy that he would say that Josh only said one incident when he told him everything. And by his, um, what do you say, by his, by his statement, he broke the law by not even reporting it. Like he said something like that. Like he still tries to put the blame on somebody else. It, it, I just thought it was crazy. Yeah, it's all it's a bunch of bullshit. They're attracting bad flies. And then you have the Jess and Jill interview, which I didn't watch too much of that because it, it was a little sad. Uh, I don't want to harp too much or talk about them too much because they're honestly the victims and they kind of don't deserve it. You know, they need to. You know, they go through their experience, get this all hashed out and move on with their lives. But I do feel some of the language that they used was kind of harmful for any future sexual assault victims. And I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. And, and the thing that also bothered me is that these these are mothers now. So in their interview, they are more so like. It, they seem blasé about it. If, if they do kind of get emotional towards the, the middle and, you know, a couple tears are shed, but it seems very um, blasé. Like, you know, he even just says he mildly, he, he mildly inappropriately touched us over the clothes. What the hell is that? Like, no, he's, he, he technically, I understand you don't want to call him a pedophile. You don't want to call him a child molester, but he did sexually assault you. And she also kind of doesn't talk about the other incidents. She says all the victims were asleep and uh, nobody knew what was happening. Like she's repeating the same rhetoric that her parents did when Megan interviewed him probably about an hour ago, because she's still in the same outfit. It was just split into two parts. Yeah, but they're, they're repeating the same thing like Josh was young and Josh made a mistake and we moved on from this and we didn't. Ex it's like the whole family expected this shit to stay buried forever. And then when it came out, they didn't know what the fuck to do. And so they started acting sporadically. And, uh, you know, the, the sisters, I feel like they came out because they were the, the oldest sisters that it happened to. And they didn't want to, I guess at this point, sacrifice the identity of the younger sisters. And um, I know some I feel of like the they sisters, could follow directions better. I know some of the sisters had their spinoff show. Mm, they were part of it. Were they the spinoff show? Yes. So okay. they cut out the rest of the family, but they keep on Jill, Jessa, and I think maybe one or two more sisters, maybe Ginger. I can't remember the other. But yeah, they they... Basically, I feel like it, let's talk about who's really like who you're looking at sideways. TLC. TLC was with these people from the beginning. You tell me they didn't hear no rumblings about lawsuits and and sexual assault incidences. And they still stood behind this whole family and funded their empire, gave them special after special, a show, marketing deals, a platform to to speak their word, knowing that they were being deeply hypocritical when it comes to living your truth and living the way that God would. And they, I don't know how much TLC would know about the TLC. And, and the, the people all up in your life. These people can't what? Like 
But the 2006 home, thing, in, uh, uh, they were about to sit down for an interview with Oprah and it got canceled. That is another thing. Like how in 2006 did it not become a bigger story? That's what I'm saying. Something, that's, that's what kind of um, hooked me, not hooked me, confused me as well because I'm like, 2006, everybody is three years older. Uh, Josh is either 18 or about to be 18. So I do not understand how this didn't blow up. And that's where conspiracy Katrina thinks TLC is involved. Well, Maybe the- not involved, but I feel like they definitely knew more and they just didn't put out anything. They didn't want to take out their cash cow in the race. Maybe they heard some whispers. Maybe. Now, um, let's get to the last and big part. Let's finish this whole story out. Now, as you know, um, the scandal passes eventually more so because people, you know, it just starts to die down and then people start to become more. uh, What do you want to say? I don't want to say molester apologists. They start to be real. They start to start to split hairs about how the information has come out. And since it wasn't supposed to come out anyway, and because he's not doing that type of stuff anymore, uh, even though they canceled the show and stuff, you know, they still are with the family, you know, and they really stray away from Josh after the leak of the police report. But even so, a month later in July, when the uh, Ashley Madison leak happens and it shows he had active accounts so he was uh he admits to cheating on his wife and having a porn addiction so yeah that happened all this all happened in the span of like a couple months this uh juvenile leak and then the ashley madison hacker leak so okay and he he was married at the time but ashley madison he it was a adult woman Yes, yes. Ashley Madison is an adult site that helps spouses cheat. Okay. So when that happens, yeah, no, no. Like I said, this is just just to add on top of the scandal of him trying not to put his, you you know how you're trying to be quiet and not put your name out there? Yeah. Shit's already leaked. And then a month later, you get more shit heaped onto you. Yeah. So, you know, then big, big companies are pulling their ads from TLC. TLC ultimately makes the decision they're going to cancel it. You know, ultimately they revive what counting on, but who cares about that? Uh, They move on. Anna essentially stands by her man. She even stood by him with the allegations leaking out because she says uh, she already knew about the 2002-2003 stuff. She's saying that when she got into a relationship with him before they got engaged, he said her and her family down and told them everything. Uh, I think it was maybe like more of an arranged marriage setup and they kind of knew the situation and was okay with it. But, you know, apples to oranges. I I don't know. That's kind of weird too. (laughs) I know. I (laughs) Not to laugh. I'm just laughing because it's like a fucked up situation. But he went there. And where the way they do it, I guess the parents and they're like, well, Josh must go on a date. But just so you know, he's a he's a little perverted. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I'm sure inside the church, like their church, there's probably rumblings too. like 
you know, he got sent away for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they let all the elders know. So yeah. the elders, it, it didn't get leaked outside the church. So I guess, you know, they're good gossipy in the, in, in the church. But I feel like it could have definitely got around to the community. So they were just open with it within their community. Yeah, you know, that elder tells his wife, the wife tells the friend at the church bake off and out right in front of the potato salad in the jello mm-hmm. nasty ass potato salad baby. <laughs> so let's get to 2021 so uh josh up until this point had you know kind of crawled into a hole he he was in, he's in the public eye because he has that family his wife is always pregnant no offense how but, many uh, kids do they have they have uh, six kids. Ooh, right? following in the Jim, Bob, and Michelle's footsteps. Yeah, they got six kids. So, um, but he's not really active, active. Like he'll, he's on social media type of situation, but he's not in the public eye on purpose. April 29th is when uh, Josh Duggar is arrested. The federal grand jury in Arkansas, the Western District, they indict Josh, alleging that in 2019, 2019, this is two years before he knowingly received images of children under the age of 12. Right. Okay. So that's happening. Um, and uh, during that time he gets arrested and I guess Homeland security uh, seizes all his devices, but they seized his devices in 2019 all these facts are not coming out until the April in the May, uh, saying that he, the agent seized an HP computer. That's a HP, a HP computer, a MacBook, and the MacBook had uh, like the backup information of an iPhone eight. In all these devices, the agent uh, that was in charge of this, his name is Gerald Faulkner with Homeland Security, he described like the hard drive, the files, the images, he described this as the top five of the worst of the worst he's ever examined. And he's been like an agent for 11 years and he's seen thousands, unfortunately, of these type of child porn possession cases. So I thought this man saying, why did it take so long from 2019? And why was nothing this said year? in 2019? That's another thing. It's crazy. They it, it was all secret. It was all kept under wraps. So what I imagine is that they got some sort of tip via his IP address or somebody else snitching on him that he was into this type of perverted thing. And once they got that tip or had enough evidence, they then fly down on him in 2019 and take all his devices. Therefore, I don't know why this is the legal system. I'm, I'm just guessing with whatever happened, it just took two years to officially arrest and indict them once they went through all the information. I don't know if he was working with them or something. I don't, I feel like if you, if they got to take your stuff, and then make the case and then indict you. I don't think he was being cooperative. And even after he's arrested, his his, his lawyer is saying that they're going to fight it in court. No. Yeah. Um, no. He's not confessing this time. I'm telling you. Now, uh, is, some, do you know no, if his wife is still with him? 
Yes. Stand up. She gonna stand beside him. It's crazy. And and this is like days, a day or two after they had just announced on Instagram that they were having another girl. Oh no. Yeah. So of he got arrested April 29th, and his original uh set date for trial was July 6th. That did not happen. Um, his lawyer, his attorney team, they asked for a delay, uh, and the judge pushes it back to November 30th. The reason why they, um, I guess, decided to get this delayed trial is so that his lawyer, well, his whole team of lawyers, they wanted to hire a computer forensic expert to review the case evidence. And apparently they need more time to complete the process. I kind of I, I kind of read it as, uh, you know, just stalling time for for more tactics to see what you could do, because do you, the, the evidence is the evidence. The pictures are the pictures. Do you know what their defense is? Like, are they saying that he's it's he, a virus or like what's their evidence? Like, what, what are they countering with? Well, they're I don't think they're going to tell us publicly, but yeah. they're just I don't know. They're just saying that it's not true, that they're going to fight and in court and the facts and the truth will come out but nobody's really saying what it, that's why I feel like it's a stalling tactic. Cause if you think about it, there's not any, if Josh didn't do it, put these images, download these images, receive these images, the other possibility would have to literally be an impossibility to have uh, child pornography and access to all of another person's devices and download all that stuff incriminately and still have it in their possession. No, it, it, I, I feel like it's just a stall tactic. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how you can kind of come back from this one. Like it's on your computer, it's on your devices. They have to see that like, you accessed it on purpose like you know it, it connected to his ip address at his uh his job at like a like a like he owns or works at a i think he owns it it's like a used car shop and it, it all the images when they were downloaded they uh they hit off that ip address so it's just like they can only uh narrow it down to a certain amount of people who would have access to that computer at that time yeah that's crazy. Yep. So uh, it's due for November 30th. So this is definitely something that we can update in the future. Uh, right now, he's facing um, up to 20 years of imprisonment and up to 250000 in, in fines on each of the two counts. Uh, so basically, it could be 40 years that he could be convicted for. And. Oh. Um, because of the nature of the case, it being child pornography. Here's the worst part. Um, like I said, he he was charged with receiving images of children under 12. His six kids from youngest is 17 months to oldest 11 years old. So what it's if very- you want the youngest, youngest, the old oh, pregnant one. Well, it's an embryo. You can't count. Yeah. That. But yeah, because of that, the judge said, like, in good conscience, I can't really because he wanted to go back to his family. He wanted to pay his bill and go back to his family. The judge is like, in good conscience, because of the details of your case, I cannot let you go back to that home full of children. Um, so his parents, 
talk to a, I guess, uh, a couple that they're close to or acquainted. And it's just crazy. Every time uh, a Duggar acquaintance comes up, it's just, I, I just don't like them. They just associate with, no offense, some of the worst people. But these these people, you can't, there's nothing really about them. It's just that uh, they agreed to be his custodial his third party custodians that he could be released to because Josh couldn't go to a home with children. Um, he's not even allowed to be alone with his own children unless his wife is present and he can't be around his nieces and nephews. But this couple that he was released to um, is a, I guess, independent third party that are familiar with Josh, but are kind of friends uh, with Jim, Bob and Michelle. And they agreed to let Josh stay with him. Um, he has to wear a GPS tracker. Um, he has to be monitored by the couple. He cannot use the internet at all. And um, one of the interesting things about this is like, I was wondering if money was involved in them taking this job from Jim, Bob and Michelle, because it's like, they said they don't know Josh well, but they, they did, uh, they were asked by Jim, Bob and Michelle. So they felt like they, they wanted to serve. I mean, they wanted to help them out, but they did have concerns because the husband works full time. And so that means Josh would be alone in the house with the, the wife a lot. The wife kind of had concerns about that. Uh, she also said that they can move, uh, the piano lessons, but they teach piano lessons to kids. Oh, what the? So they were like, well, yeah, we'll be willing to move and do like that. But we also keep firearms in the house, but we'll be willing to move and all. And it's kind of like, bro, do you, re- somebody's getting paid here. Maybe. Because and- you got a lot of stuff. You don't, you got a lot of stuff that's not conducive to a healthy environment for a man going through this. Number one, number two, they mention a couple times how they're more familiar with the couple, but they don't really know Josh at all. And how do you not really, how do you not know these people, children? And it was, it, it's put upon in the article, like it was a favor, like Jim, Jim, Bob and Michelle asked and we wanted to refuse, but we felt like, okay, we'll help you out. So I, First, I, I there's I 19 know. of them. They can't keep track of which ones they know. Yeah. Oh, and another thing is that, and this may be this might look more bad on the couple, but she was like she's familiar with the the charges that Josh is facing, but she did not know the details. I don't know what the difference makes because the, the detail says child pornography. I don't know how much more detail you needed, but I just thought that was weird. They have to be gained some money, in my opinion. Like, why else would you do it? And okay, so I don't think she's in danger. Obviously, he likes them. As yeah. children, mm-hmm. which is way fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would imagine their day money because the piano lessons, I don't think they would do that for free. I mean, maybe they are, but most of the time piano lessons cost money. I feel like maybe it's good to be the, to have the Duggars in debt. Maybe it's good to for the Duggars to owe you a favor. Or maybe they're just doing this out the kindness of their heart. But I feel like you would do it for somebody that you knew and liked. But... Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the ending part, you know. Uh, Josh is going to have his comeuppance, hopefully. You know, right now he's just uh, charged, but nothing has been stuck, and he's not in in the middle of the trial. But 
just based off his pattern the bait and based off the way his family has handled things and kind of shaped him unfortunately for this life by not i feel like acting quicker besides the wife do you know if any of the other family members have came out in his defense jim bob michelle so what happens okay um a lot of people the family stood beside him when the uh the magazine leaked uh the sealed documents in 2015, you know, his sisters defended him. They didn't like what he did, but they felt like it wasn't right. His parents stood beside him. Even Mike Huckabee put out a a quote about uh, what he did was um, unexcusable, but not unforgivable. I couldn't forget. I couldn't remember the word I was trying to say, but anyway, he said some bullshit, but uh, people were backing him. It was when, this happened in 2001 where you see either the um i support the 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 legal system or the victims or we just want the truth but nobody's really saying that they support josh only one who really put something in there was jim bob and michelle by saying you know we want the truth to come out no matter what what that will be and you know we're always praying for uh josh and anna and their family the rest were more so like blander about just getting the truth out and uh stuff like that nobody was really like yeah we're standing behind josh because it's fucked up yeah I think it's clear <laughs> that. and if you watch if you watch the whole interview on megan kelly and how they keep referring back to he made a mistake and he's humbled himself and he's put himself on the path to god it, it didn't age well because they kept saying that he was such a changed man in 2003. They, he, like, it was so fun. I will say this real quick. Megan asked Jill and Jessa, like, so, like, what was different about him when he came back? How did you know he was changed? And they were like, man, you could just look at him and say, this man made some life changes. What the fuck does that mean? It's like they just didn't know what to say. And so then by just sweeping this under the rug and not wanting to deal with it, obviously he got better at hiding it or they got better at ignoring it one way or the other. He left the house and this has unfortunately become a part of him. And even more of an unfortunate mess is that he is a father to six young kids. And I know a lot of, abusers don't abuse their own children but he obviously does not have a problem keeping it in the family by i was just about to say sisters. yeah you just don't know what a man like that and, and a man who doesn't really who who speaks in uh it, it seems like he's always just asking for forgiveness or he's calling out somebody He he's never really explaining who and what type of person he is he's either like, well, uh, just living off his name, like, oh, yeah, I'm this devout Christian who has these these uh, very important family values that are uh, that mean the world to me. Or I'm sorry, I can be better. And I'll, he only has one or two moods. I think it breaks down to with the family. You always hear those stories of like, unfortunately, those people who say like they have someone in their family like that's the funny uncle, you know, don't be around him, put, don't wear, you know, cover up, don't be around him by yourself. And I feel like maybe that's what 
Joshua's. I don't know if they, mm. you know, they could say they forgive him and they can say it was so long ago, but I feel it would always have to be in the back of your head. And I do feel like the sisters who were abused probably got told by their parents so many times, he's changed, he's changed, he's changed, that they ended up believing it themselves. Yeah, because what I started to think about was that, because they did say, they were like, well, you know, we we forgave him and we moved on. And during this time period in their lives, this couple, two years where it was a big thing, they were gaining popularity. People were looking at them. They were being put on camera. And I, I even said this to my mom, I was like, did they really forgive him and move on or were they put into a situation that they were now in a spotlight? So they had no choice. It's very, I mean, it's, I would imagine it's very difficult on their end, how they want to move around that because oh yeah, at the end of the day, it is their brother. Does that mean they should have contact with them? Probably not, but, and who knows if they were thinking oh this is our paycheck you know the job i don't want to say that's why they defended him but it could be a part of it it could i mean they were they were on the during the 2003 to 2006 this whole thing they were still living with their their parents you know it's the 2005 interview where these these are women who are married and pregnant slash mothers you know when they're when this is deeply embroiled and happening they're still minors yeah living under their parents roof and rules and to the point like you said once it gets ingrained they could have just you know they're, they're going with it and maybe after such a long time of saying one thing or believing one thing it's just too difficult to switch to another story you just got to keep with it or we could just be you know two pessimistic people and they they really have found clarity and peace but i just don't like the way that they downplayed the sexual assault i think it's downplayed for them because you get those stories where people tell you something and you're kind of like that's fucked up or you tell someone a story and they're like that's fucked up and it's just part of your childhood that happens that since you're in it you don't really like take a step back and be like this is really fucked up. You know, this happened to me. Mm-hmm. You just kind of roll with it because maybe they, you know, you know, the parents claim they were asleep. They don't even remember it. So maybe they were asleep and they just woke up and Josh is there and like, Oh, what are you doing? And so it's not really connecting to them. The ones that were asleep. Mm. I, I don't maybe, know. I don't, maybe. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't I don't want to like de uh I don't want to you know talk about their experience because you know it was their experience. Yeah. I, I just I felt like sometimes even if you maybe don't think something was a big deal, especially when you're talking about this and your your sister next to you is pregnant and you yourself have a child maybe the way you frame things are in a way that in the future you can be proud of what you said when your your children are looking at it because I felt like the way she was like um he just he was just a boy going through puberty and he was just a little too curious about the 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 girl's body it's like would you take that answer from another 
boy's sister or mother or somebody who victimizes your family member? Or are you only able to do this because it's you and it's been so long and you've dealt with it? Yeah. I don't know. I but mean, yeah. That is true. Um, do you have anything else to add about Josh or any of the other debtors? Uh, no, I, you know, I definitely look forward to seeing what happens in the trial uh, later this year. And uh, this was a long one, boys. I'm sorry. Yeah, this, this one has, I don't want to say it's our most horrible episode, but it's our most like kind of draining. Like, you know, all of it's, these, yeah, all of these people do horrible things and I had to get through all of them. I'm sorry, bro. I was dragging. <laughs> I've said it before. Like these kind of cases where sexual assault cases really are kind of really draining. Um, yeah. We're going to do somebody who's trying to be black next week. <laughs> oh, are we? I, I was just joking. Oh. But, you know, I, we can, I know offense. We can find a black face one in a million when it comes to these celebrities, bro. They just can't put it down. Well, maybe we will. Um, we do like to end every episode on a positive note. And I think we do need it on this one. Um, with a form of media that we relate to somehow. So do you want to go first? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. <laughs> uh, so um, last week, I think I did a movie. This time I wanted to do a CD. And it's a Tyler Creator CD. Now, he did just put out a new album like a few days ago or maybe last week. I haven't listened to that. <laughs> I'm talking about Igor. So I am so-so on Tyler the Creator. When he first came out, he was all about shock value. I really didn't listen to him until a couple years. And then I kind of listened to the hits and, you know, if I, if I hear it, I like it, whatever. But when Igor came out, people were talking about how it was just so different. And I, I love an artist who can do their specialty genre, but also can do some other stuff and actually make it sound good or just make it sound like it's something you want to listen to. Maybe it's not the song that you're listening to out loud. Maybe you want your ballad, you make you cry, whatever, but I really didn't like it. So uh, I will just talk about, about like three of my favorite songs on the whole album, which are, I got so many, but I would say my top three are Earthquake, which was the single, uh, I Think, which is right after Earthquake, and New Magic Wand. It's very chaotic and loud, and sometimes you just need that. And no, no offense, that kind of that's that's kind of Tyler's energy, especially from when he really came out. But yeah. he's really honed his creativity for his music to kind of reach other people. Like I know his his OG fans still like his new stuff as well as the old stuff. So he he can he can he can sample and he can just touch a different he can touch different types of sounds and still make them sound good. So yeah, that's it. I, I remember the first time I listened or I had like heard Tyler, the creator, I was in the back of someone's car and I'm pretty sure I was stoned. And mm-hmm. I just like the song sounded interesting, but I was not like, very paying attention to lyrics. And then I started listening and I'm like, what the fuck did, did that song just say that? Like what? Yes. So it was like kind of scary to me, <laughs> um, but I did end up liking Tyler, the creator. I like my favorite album from him is flower boy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think that's his best album. I have not listened. 
okay, this is how far behind I am. Every time an album comes out from someone I like, I try to like listen to the whole album. Mm. And so I'm two albums behind because I remember when his last album, not this newest one, the one before that came out, um, I was talking to someone and they're like, did you listen to it? I'm like, no, I just, I need to be in the mood. I need to like listen to it all the way through. And I feel like it was me. I, I don't think so. Um, I, I feel like it's me. And I still haven't had the time. So I still need to get on that. But I do like Tyler, the creator. Yeah. the fir- I remember that. I don't know what line you're talking about, but uh, the the shock line that I first heard from Tyler creator was the, uh, the whole pregnant have a threesome type thing yeah that was like one yeah, of them yeah i was, was like just, damn it like you would just hear these songs and what was that song he did with frank ocean uh you got she, she. and you, okay she and her no no it's not her it's another one but that's a good one she yeah she um that's i really love she i love that song and then i like the video <laughs> okay and then <laughs> and then you listen to the lyrics and you're like what is he talking about like it's kind of a fucked up song definitely um, but yeah that's the thing he, he'll make a, a, a fucked up subject sound decent yeah <laughs> do you have anything else to add about tyler no yeah. no <laughs> okay um I think my media for this week was I was to do a song, but you did a song, so I won't do a song this week. You gonna no. do Jennifer Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's your thing. That is your thing. I'm still waiting. The audience is waiting. Um, write us in and tell us how much you guys are waiting for it. Um, mine is the show Vida, V-I-D-A. And it was, I think it's a star show, like on stars. It's only three seasons and it's already ended, but I really enjoyed it. It's about two sisters and their mom dies and they find out, spoiler alert, it's in the first episode, that their mom was a lesbian and they're two Mexican, Mexican-American girls. And you don't really see that many shows about Mexicans, I guess, especially not in English. Like, I guess you would if you would watch Spanish shows. <laughs> so... It's one of the shows I did like. One of the daughters does not speak English. Not speak English. She does not speak Spanish, sorry. And I relate to that because I am horrible at Spanish. I can understand it. I cannot speak it. And they do bring up, like, topics like that up in the show. And it's a really good show. It's very entertaining. Okay, okay. I, I yeah, guess just, I was like, about to say, do you... But never mind. <laughs> so... I guess just some representation, you know, everyone wants to see themselves kind of in the TV. I, yes, I definitely agree with that. Yes. That's very important. Diversity is important and making sure that nobody is shocked anymore about diversity is important. Yeah. And it's one of those, I still feel like for Mexican specifically, but Latinos in general, there's not a lot of shows that just focuses on, you know, their life. Yeah, what happens and what you'll see, especially whether we do it to each other or other people is with, uh, I guess, Latino and Black community is that when you sometimes do get a show or a movie, 
they kind of relay or not relay. They rely heavily sometimes on stereotypes to the point where it's like, is it, do you want this representation? Yeah, that is true too. Um, yeah. That's Vita. There's a lot of, you know, there's some stereotypes in there, but I think they do a good job of balancing it out. Like that's they what can, you want. Yeah. Yeah. They can have their, you know, their little comments in there that, ah, we do that too. And, you know, w- without it being too much. Yeah, and still tell the story in a, a, a respectful or uh, entertaining way. Yeah, and it's such a good show. I I really highly suggest it. I my mom was paying for stars. I'm gonna hop on it. Oh, I was thinking of being stars again, just so I, I can do it because I did stars just so I could watch. You told me to watch P Valley, so yeah. <laughs> I watched that one. And then we never talked about it. No, and then um, they had one of the shows of Nexium on there, which is. I kind of want to do that. It's it would be weird. It would be a weird episode, but I wanted to do that because it's it's very interesting. Um, but that is the end of our episode. Yes. If, uh, tell us if you hate this or you love this length, because literally we well not Jose, but I over research. Try to tell me to cut down. Oh, I don't over research. I'm under researching. I think you research the perfect amount. Perfect. When you do, when when you're in charge of the episodes, it's either like an hour, like it's hour, give or take five minutes. Yeah. With me, here's the fucking 90 minutes, 264 <laughs> minutes. Like, goddamn. Call me Goldilocks. Just right. <laughs> call me Papa Bear. Too big. I forgot where I was going. Oh, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us on Twitter that I run. And that is save your sorry, but the your is spelled you are. If <laughs> if you want to reach out to us on Instagram, which Katrina runs, apparently. I don't know hey, if she knows that. Um, I, I found that out today. <laughs> that's save your sorry. And just spelled like the podcast. If you want to send us a question, if you want to Tell us a media you enjoy and that relates to you. You can send that to saveyoursorry at gmail.com. Yes. And if you want to send us a dollar or two, it's a cash app, which is dollar sign save your sorry, spelled just like the podcast. Yes. I think I hit them all. So until next time, we will be seeing you. Bye-bye. Me.